ESPN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast from Setup Day of Husker Harvest Days located just west of Grand Island. Of course, looking forward to seeing so many folks swing by and say hi over the next uh, couple of days. The show runs through Thursday. Well, an interesting day today. Of course, we had a WASDE report. We're going to talk more about what those numbers had to say. Also, maybe some early harvest pressure as we start to see this crop move from the, the south into the north and some price action. Where are we going to head for from here. Having said that, as we look over the whole numbers, that was kind of a mixed type of trade today. We saw higher corn and beans, and it was lower on the wheat complex. If we flip the page to the livestock, definitely a mixed trade going on there. Getting all the details today with PJ Conrad. PJ is with Trade Us. So I guess we got to start out with this WASDE report. What was your initial reaction? You know, Susan, uh, it was a great day to be a soybean, great day to be corn, and uh, been a tough uh, few days here to be a Husker football fan. So uh, I guess at least we got some positivity moving our direction in the grains anyways. Um, you know, initial report obviously comes out and you see the market action. Maybe no one was really anticipating the, the lower yield number out of soybeans that came in. Um and albeit, uh, you know, we, we decreased that by, what, 48 million versus the USDA forecasted number that everyone, you know, traded kind of thought going into it. So you throw that in and you throw an up 70-day on beans, it feels like maybe corn came along for the ride more so than uh, doing anything real actual productive, but it up nine nonetheless. And we're knocking on some pretty major resistance levels as we look down corn and soybeans. The, the soybeans at 1485, you know, 15 we haven't traded above 15 here in about oh, since the 29th of July. And corn-wise, we haven't been above seven here since whew, a long time. That's back in late June. So uh, obviously good to see. I mean, I'll take a rally on September 12th any way you can give it to us. Uh, I still stand maybe on the uh, a little bit of nervousness about what this week brings and the rest of the month brings. I do think there's more heightened bullishness, though, whether it be from the farmer standpoint or just the overall commodity sector after these reports today. So did we see that kind of initial knee-jerk reaction when those numbers came out? Um, it was volatile right at first, but it wasn't uh, 70 cents volatile. That added as the session went on. And, and I think really you're seeing maybe some funds jump in and also just the fact we're tight on beans uh, and, and going into it. I almost think you look at Pro Farmer where it was at, uh, the yields it came out with, you felt like maybe Trey was positioning more long corn, short soybeans as a, as a trade, a spread trade there. And really that got flipped upside down today with now beans being uh, kind of the front, forefront leader. And, you know, a couple things, not shifting away from the report, but they play into the report is we do have, you know, from a macro standpoint this week, we have, you know, inflation numbers that come out tomorrow. We have retail sales Thursday and some consumer sentiment things on Thursday, and a potential, a potential looming rail strike uh, also coming uh, Thursday as well. So there's a lot. There's maybe some bull things there. You know that rail strike would be bearish. There's some bearish things, and there's also some bullish things. But the bull market needs Fed daily, and it's really been on one heck of a run uh, for the last probably month here. We've really seen grains perform very well. So as we go down this week and with harvest starting, like you said, more so you're seeing more action harvest and you're not, you know, you're, you're seeing the worst crops come out first. So I guess that's a good thing. And on one hand, hopefully your worst harvest behind you, you can get to some of the better stuff. But it goes to say, Susan, if we had this conversation four months ago, which I'm sure we did, 
everything was going to be on heightened notice this year. And that continues even now as we get into the front end of harvest or not even the front end of harvest, but trying to get to the front end of harvest here. Everything's just tightened and heightened because of the lower carryouts and the prospect of worldwide things going on that we have no control over or idea about sometimes. And that just continues to be kind of the the elephant in the room, shall we say, when you look at the at the big picture and the global pressure that's going on. Exactly. I think that's one thing. Uh, it's it's hard. I actually told a guy this weekend that before the Husker game, we were talking, and I said it. Told him, I go, you know, I'm bullish probably fundamentally to a certain standpoint. The lower yields, it feels like demand's good, but I do still worry this whole macroeconomic thing. When that shoe, if that shoe does drop, what it doesn't work out where commodities stay elevated. It hasn't in the past, anyways, and that's the only thing we have to go off of. And so that's uh, honestly quite frightening. I guess on one standpoint, though, you could probably bank on some pretty good basis opportunities, assuming some sort of rail strike doesn't take place. But then you got to worry or wonder, is there going to be some government uh, inaction, you know, step in and say, no, you guys are going to operate in some manner or fashion. So a lot of uh, a lot of weird things going on, but that's been kind of the trend here for the last, uh, what, two years, it seems anyways, just things that you, you don't really plan for or can plan for. Um, but we'll take the We'll take this. I think this is a great spot to get catch-up sales. I mean, if you feel like you're behind on uh, sales, this is a great spot, corn and soybeans. I may have been dragging my feet more on the soybeans, not because I thought we were going to be up 70 on the USDA report, more just because seasonally they, they do kind of last longer and you can get them out uh, more on a yearly average and catch some good prices. But corn-wise, I've been thinking for you know a month now uh, from 650 and higher, this is a great spot to advance sales and keep moving through things. and. And here we are again, but um, you do wonder what's the, what's the downside. So it does feel like many funds will be buyers here on any big pullbacks as well. Before we head to commercial break, quick, uh, how nervous does this potential rail strike make you right now? What's that, Susan? How nervous does this potential rail strike make you feel oh, right now? Very nervous. I mean, I think if this rail strike were to happen, what that does to basis and what that just does to our you know, overall economy, it, it's all bad. It's like putting the stops and everything. And, and the rail's been slower, and, and definitely rail rates are higher, car rates are higher, and there's a lot of that going on. But you want to stop things dead in its tracks, and that will do it. And if you look at, uh, and we'll get into it after the break, these percentage chains on certain states and where we're losing yield at, where we have corn, where we don't, we need the rail to operate efficiently. We do have a lot more coming up. It is the Monday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we'd like to visit with you about reaching your yield goals in 2023 with our high-performing corn hybrids and Extend Flex soybeans. Fontenelle products are locally tested and selected because we know Nebraska. Stop and see us at Husker Harvest Days and remember to see your local Fontenelle dealer before mid-October for the best discounts. Fontenelle Hybrid, solutions you need, relationships you trust. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other... VN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation with PJ Conrad. PJ is with TradeOS. And as we continue to look at the markets, obviously that WASD numbers came out today. But with that came the percentage changes that we saw within some of the states. And no surprise when it came to corn, for example, Wisconsin was right there at the top for seeing some increased bushels. But what, what are your thoughts in the overall picture of that, those changes? 
You know, a couple things. I think uh, we'll talk positives first. I mean, you look at for as much problems as Minnesota had getting planted and all of that. Uh, USDA's clocking them in at a 190 yield, and then you got the Dakotas in at you know good yields relative to last year. Uh, same with Wisconsin, like you said, in Illinois. Now, where we start getting to some of the bad situations, and Iowa is what two percent less than last year, um, so they're they're looking at like a 200 bushel yield. Not not a big deal, but then you start diving into say Nebraska, ten uh, percent, Kansas thirteen, uh, Oklahoma twenty, uh, Texas uh, whatever nineteen percent. It all adds up. The Western Corn Belt ends up shaving off year over year about uh, five hundred million bushels. That's a problem. That's a problem to the tune of what that does to where corn needs to flow to. You know, usually you, you'll get the stuff out of Minnesota, Iowa, um, the Dakotas to flow south. But that's a longer rail haul for where a lot of that corn ends up to say in the Western Corn Belt, a lot will go west on the rail and a lot will go south. And it just makes it a lot harder when your bushels are tucked in Minnesota and Northern Iowa and the Dakotas. It's just a longer turnaround. So with worse rail performance, does more of it come by a truck? Well, it sure could, but we don't have the trucks that wouldn't seem today. So you're going to get more of a, what you have 20 years ago, traditional flow of corn going from the east to the west and making it that way. The thing is, over the last 20 years in the event of ethanol, uh, everything's really became more of a, you know, domestic, not domestic, more localized type market that will spread out when the basis allows. But there's a lot of dark uh, spots out there and holes that we're going to have to fill with some of the states that have it. And the, the other question, I guess, would be, too, is we've seen it before, is how fast we can maybe get stuff uh, from overseas. You know, we start getting a South American harvest, whatever. Did it make sense for some of this stuff to flow into you know the southeast and fulfill some demand down there as we get post-harvest? And that's going to be things to look for because we will import corn when it makes sense. But definitely uh, definitely a big day in grain. I mean, like I said before, $7 on corn has been a big resistance point, and $15 on beans, and we're knocking on the door of both of them again. Uh, you would think harvest pressure might pull things lower, but it would feel like maybe we're going to hold steady in this range. So uh, strap in, though, because you, you don't know what this could bring as we go through uh, probably a faster normal harvest, uh, as long as the weather holds like it looks like it's going to 90s this week in the western corn belt. And we'll keep pushing this crop along faster than we need to. So when you look at the big picture in this price action, where do you think we need to go from here? You know, I think in the short term, we need to figure out what yields are and get a little more definition of what this actual carryout is. And we'll get more of that in the next 30 days. You know, that's one thing you know, I love about agriculture and love about the uh, corn and soybean and wheat cycles is you learn a lot every 30 days of what the crop is or isn't, where demand's going. You know, Thursday we have uh, export sales that are going to get released that haven't for roughly a month, if I'm thinking correctly. But it's been about a month since they released the export sales. That's going to hit the wire. End of this month, we're going to get uh, close or end of the 21-22 crop carryout numbers. So, you know, maybe we use less, maybe we use more, but USDA is going to give us uh, quarterly stocks number that we can back into a yearly number and it makes sense of where we're at of carryover. Is it more? Is it less? That's always a big report. If you go back two years, that's what started this kind of bull run, really. And then when we get another 30 days down the road to the October report, you're going to know more about actual yields in the field, what's actually coming in, and you know, do we need to be $7 corn? Do we need to be $8 corn? Or can we find a happy medium somewhere in that six range? 
And I think a lot of that's going to just depend on where yield is and what happens to demand in the meantime. But it doesn't seem like uh, anything demand-wise, it's going to be hard to slow it down, especially when you hear stuff out of Putin not liking uh, what's going on in the Black Sea region. Is that just talk? Is it not? Uh, soon to find out, but I have a hard time thinking uh, anything drastic is going to change there. But the reality is they're not going to be the same player they have been. And we've known that. We've got that factored in. So as long as nothing drastically changes, that's at least maybe one steady right now. But I think in the short term, it'd be nice to see uh, – you want to see ethanol stay profitable. Um, I know there's some things going on in the oil world as far as uh, Biden releasing more things from strategic reserves helps keep some of the pressure off gas prices. But that's not a long-term solution. So do we see oil come flying back? that'd be more supportive to say seven to 750 corn. I think that's my uh, biggest worry today. Lots of things that we looked at today. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Uh, you can call us at 402-858-7529 or uh, hit, us up, hit us up on any social media platform at TradeOS LLC. All right. Thanks so much. PJ Conrad joining us today, as we always remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.